Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast, where every week we post sermons from our lead pastor, Rick Shule, and guest preachers, as well as other content from church members and staff. We hope you hear something that resonates with your soul this week. So what wild thing did you do in, uh, in 2020, the year of our Lord 2020? Remember that year? Uh, I, the wild thing that I did was I built a treehouse. And uh, if you're asking, your, or you might ask, Pastor Rick, do you know how to build a treehouse? The answer is no. I do not know how to build a treehouse. <laughs> but I set out on this endeavor, and I did the first thing all of you would do when you're building a treehouse is you go to the internet, and you type in how to build a treehouse. The internet, incredibly helpful that it is, you'll find websites that say, step one, build a treehouse. Step two, decorate the treehouse. Well, wait a second, hold on. We need a little bit more in that step one. I do not know how to build a treehouse at all. And so, and I was really nervous. My kids were gonna be playing on this thing. I wanted to make sure it was safe. And so instead I found plans for building a deck. And I was like, great, I'll build a deck eight feet off the ground. That'll be our treehouse. And so I dug these huge uh, post holes. Uh, I dug three of them and the, and the tree would be operating like the fourth post hole. I had two cross beams where I, I hammered together, um, screwed together two, uh, two by tens for the beams across. And then I decided that wasn't enough. And so I made three other two by 10 beams going the other way. And then on top of those, I set up 12 joists every 14 inches. If you're not laughing, it's because you don't know how to build a treehouse either. It is way too much, but I was still nervous. And so on top of these joists, I put down the flooring, and I was still really, really nervous. And so that Sunday, I went to church, and the guy that was running sound that morning, and we were still online at the time, I, I went to Tom. Tom was a professional architect. I said, Tom, will you take a look at what I've built here? I, br- I took pictures, and I, I brought it to him. And I was like, you know, I've, I'm working on this treehouse I've made three levels of subfloors do you think it's safe do you think my kids can play on this and Tom looked at that and he goes yeah you could park a bus on that and I was like that's what I want I want to know that I can park a bus on it and so eventually we put handrails around it and we set up this deck that would be the treehouse I I built a trap door with kind of like a pneumatic hydraulic thing you know you know what I'm talking about so it was safe I was real proud of this thing. I'm glad that I checked in with Tom, right? I'm glad I checked in to make sure that what I was building was safe, that it was going to last for the future. And I think we have to do that anytime we're building something. And as a church, we are building a community together. And so today's message, I'm calling it the state of the church address, I guess. And um, it's, it's a time where we check in. We're checking in on what we're building. Is it safe? Is it going to last? Can children play on it? How is the church doing? So today is a little check-in on the church. This last year has been a a wild year. There's been a lot of changes that have been going on. The biggest change, uh, I think, the change that affects me the most, was the pastoral change. In the Methodist church, we rotate, we move our pastors. Our pastors are appointed by our bishop, our overseer. And um, on, on July 1 is when new pastors start at their new churches. And so this past summer, I started here. 
This is the third pastoral change that I've experienced, and I've never experienced a smoother, more loving, more faithful transition than the transition we had here at Faith Church. Thank you, thank you, yeah. And, and it's not because you love me. You didn't know who I was. You took, a, you took a chance with me. I appreciate that. It's because that you love and care for this community. You loved and cared for Pastor Elizabeth and the Schindler family in such a tremendous way to make this transition happen so that it was all friendship and collegiality between Pastor Elizabeth and me. And, and so much credit to her for modeling health. So much credit to her for knowing when she needed to take time for herself. And I'm so thankful for her and her friendship and the friendship of the Schindler family. And like I said, you all took a chance on me. You didn't know who I was or where I was coming from. And... and you have just met me and my family with wide open arms and tremendous love, and it is so wonderful to get to know you more. I am so thankful. Thank you for your faithfulness. In most cases, when a church goes through a pastoral transition, I hear that it's typical for the church to lose about 10% in worship attendance when you go through a transition. You know, maybe people have been thinking about stepping away from that church or finding another church, and usually a pastor transition is that time where people think, okay, this is a good time for me to shift away. But we didn't experience that at all. Through the entire transition, we've continued to grow and see new people, new people and returning people, all these last six, seven months together. In fact, in January and the last five weeks of worship have been the highest attended highest attendance we've had in the last year. Church, that doesn't happen in January usually, all right? There is something happening. Your faithfulness to one another, to the church, is shining. You're reaching out to your community. You're welcoming new people. Thank you for being here. If you're new to the church here, uh, today's kind of more of an inside conversation, but I like that you're here, and I like that you hear how the church is doing. A couple other huge things that have happened in the last year. We had our first VBS in three years, our first vacation Bible school in three years. Yeah! And um, in years previously, we would have other camps bring in volunteers and, and kind of help run the whole program. This year, we ran it all on our own with our help, with, with you, with your volunteer help. We reached over 60 kids, which was incredible. We've connected with those kids who then connect to the preschool, who also have now connected and become part of our church. So thank you for your faithfulness in serving in VBS. Through the fall, I was starting to get a glimpse of where we wanted to go as a church, that we wanted to grow. And I knew that if we were going to grow, we needed to go to two services. And so I announced in the fall that, hey, come Advent, Christmas time, we're going to go to two services. And you all looked around in the sanctuary and were like, why? Because <laughs> it didn't look like we needed to go to two services. But here's the thing. If you're looking around and saying, oh, now we need to go to two services, it's already too late, right? We have to create room for people. That is hospitality. We have to remove the barriers of uh, to worship for people. And offering more times on a Sunday morning to come to worship um, is, is a hospitable thing to do. 
And the moment we offered two services, our worship attendance grew 10% just like that overnight. We created more room for our neighbors. We created more opportunity for our neighbors to come and worship and be involved here at Faith Church. We are growing, all right? Now, there's still a lot of work ahead. It's been a tremendous year. There's still a lot of work ahead. Let's, let's dip into the budget a little bit. The church is like a family. It is a family. And every family has a family budget. And you are a part of that family, so you need to know what the budget is like. And so I, as I was coming into the church this last summer, um, we run on a fiscal year from July to June. And so we set up a new budget early on. I had some chats with some people in the finance uh, team, and I said, hey, what are we, uh, what's our budget look like for this coming year? And they're like, well, we plan to spend about this much, and, uh, and, and it looks like we can expect to receive this much. And I was like, okay, what's that difference? And they're like, hmm, it's almost $100,000 short. Not the best news you want to hear when you're just coming into a new church. I go, okay. And, and they're saying, well, we have the reserves to do it. We want to keep our ministry strong and going. So we have the reserves to do it for this year, maybe another year, but we need change and we need growth. And I said, okay, let's work on it. We can figure this out. Now, the tough part is in our, in our budgets, most of our giving, 70% of it comes online and over 40, about 40% of our giving, your giving, comes in an annual gift. Because you are working on your strategy for giving and giving in the smartest ways. And so for some of us, some of you, that means giving in one large annual gift, which is great. The trouble is it's kind of hard to chart how we're doing month after month if we're on the right direction or not. Well, after six months, some numbers came in and they kind of helped us out a little bit. At the six month mark, we expected to be running a deficit in the ballpark of $47,000. That's what we budgeted, that's what we expected. We were actually running a deficit of $53. That is it. <laughs> let's, let's take a look at these numbers. These numbers are in your bulletins as well. Um, so this is where we are in our budgeting for the last six months from July to December. Um, we budgeted, you know, if, if the pledge giving, if the giving was even in, in the 12 months around the year, we would budget to bring in 240, 241,000. We actually brought in 204,000 in our pledge giving. So that's 84, 85% of what we expected to bring in during pledge giving. Now, I'm not worried. It's a little bit behind, but again, I'm not worried because a lot of our pledge givers give once a year. And so you've made those promises. I trust you. I trust you to make good on those pledges. So I think that that's going to come in. I'm not too worried about that. Here's what's wild. Non-pledged giving. These are people who weren't here when we did a pledge drive last spring. These are newer people. These are people who have not made, filled out a pledge card. Our pledge giving, we expected in the first six months to get around $62,000. And we have received $87,000. 140% of what we expected to get in that first six months. That tells me something. It tells me that we're connecting with new people and that new people are not just connected, but that 
they're committed as well. That you see this as a place where you can grow in your faith. You see this as a place that is making a difference for God in the community. And you see this as a place that you want to invest in. Thank you so much. For the first time in the history of this church, the non-pledged giving in December outpaced the pledged giving in December. Wild, wild, amazing stuff. Other, other income, this includes employee matching income, uh, which by the way is way behind. I, I think less than half of what we expected to receive through employee matching. If your company does employee matching, contact the church. We've organized our budget in such a way that we can write a letter to you and to your company about your giving so that they can match, uh, so that your giving can be matched. We want, we want to give in the smartest way possible. Contact me or Ted Gladhill, our finance secretary. We'll work with you on helping you get that employee matching money. That's way under what it has been in years previously. Also, other income includes rental income uh, and also some unearned on unrealized earnings as well. So that other income looks better than it actually is at 82%. Bottom line, our total income is at about 95% of what we budgeted to bring in in the first six months. And then you say, Pastor, well then how is it that we're almost in the black? Here it is. We've really cut back on our spending. All of our ministry teams and our staff have been really diligent and really faithful in not overspending and keeping things pretty tight, which I'm so thankful. And as you see there, we've spent only 83% of what we budgeted to spend. This is, I mean, this is how I want to run ministry. This is how I've asked our staff to run ministry, to really cut back and at the same time create ministries that is exciting, that reaches out to new people, that grows. Some of the biggest cuts that we've made, or biggest places where we've held back, we haven't made cuts, but some of the biggest places we've held back is in our trustees. Our trustees committee is our um, property and, and facilities committee. And they've really held back on a number of areas that need to be updated uh, in the coming year. And I'm thankful for their help, but we can only hold back so long. And so as you're seeing some of these things, and you're thinking to yourself, well, how can I help? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've made a little bit of a wish list. There's a wish list on the back of your bulletin. It's called a needs list there. And these are some items that the trustees and the music department have not spent extra money on, decided to hold back, even though we have some things that definitely need to be uh, updated. And so I just want you to take a look at this um, replacing the AED machines, the defibrillators, they are out of date and, and defunct, and so we need new ones. And by the way, uh, we only need one new one because somebody in the first service already took one of those. So act now, everybody. <laughs> and then also in our kitchen, we have our original ovens that are still there, and it's anybody's guess when they're going to work and when they're not going to work. And so uh, we need to replace those. For our music, we need to replace, uh, we need to add monitors for our sound team and for our musicians to make this as good as we possibly can. Um, also a portable electric uh, piano or keyboard. We do have one. It is very old, it is very heavy, and some of the keys don't work. 
And so we could repair the keys, but it's still going to be pretty old and heavy. And so <laughs> if you're able to give in those ways. And then room microphones, because here's the reality. We're, we live in a new world where um, our front porch uh, uh, as a church is not just our literal curb appeal, but it's a, our online connection. I can't tell you how many times I've met new people in the church, uh, people who've come for the first time, and I, I get to know them, and, and they go, oh, we know you. We've been watching online for months. No. Our online connection is often the first place where people connect with us. And we want to make that online experience as good as we possibly can. And so we're always working to improve the sound, including, uh, so included in that uh, improving, we need new microphones for the room as well. If any of these things are kind of something that God is kind of placing on your heart that you can give above and beyond your regular giving, um, I, don't, I don't know what your life is like, but maybe you, are just, you just really have a passion for ovens. If you have a passion for ovens, uh, maybe God is saying, hey, would you be willing to buy the church an oven? Take a look at that list and be thinking about this. I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. You know, these numbers, uh, you know, I think Mark Twain coined the phrase uh, that there are three kinds of lies— lie, lies, mm, lies, and statistics, right? And so these numbers, you know, they only tell part of the story. Of course, the months between July and December, we would expect those to be our bigger giving months than, than the months from January to June. And so if we're going to stay in the black, and I really want to work hard to make it in the black, we're going to need to continue to reach new folks. And I'm also asking you, if you're giving, consider how you can increase your giving as well. Now, I don't make any promises. I don't make any promises about your giving. I'll never say something like, if you give this much to the church, you'll receive tenfold back. Or if you give 10% of your income to the church, you will prosper and be wealthy. I'm never going to make those kind of promises. I'm never going to, I think that they're kind of manipulative. And I don't think that that is the promise that God offers. But I will testify, I will testify that for me and my family, we've made giving to the church a priority. I've never been in the top 20 of income earners in any church I've been a part of, but I've always been in the top 20 of givers at every church I've been a part of. For us, we've prioritized giving to the church. And for our family, whew, we've been through some wild ups and downs medical bills, different difficulties and moves and things like that. We've been through some wild ups and downs financially, but we've never gone hungry. My kids have never missed a meal. We've never wanted for anything. And every couple of years when we're looking at the budget, and I'm going, boy, things are really tight. This is, this is really difficult. And I look at this column of these places that we give and these places that we donate, I look to Joanna and I go, I think maybe we need to think about decreasing what we give here and here and here. And she looks at me and she goes, and you call yourself a pastor? <laughs> Hasn't God been faithful? Hasn't God cared for us? We can't touch that. And so we continue to give. We continue to prioritize the church in our giving. 
And I don't make any promises, but I can testify that God has always cared for us. Here's the promise that I will make for you. Um, I will promise that we will not waste a single dollar that comes in the offering plate. That we pray over it, that we recognize that those are your gifts, that you are not giving to me so that I can spend on whatever I want. You're giving it to the church to build God's kingdom. And we pray and care about your gifts, and we will use it to further God's kingdom, to bless our world, to make things right with God's help. So would you consider your giving with me this year? As we look forward to this coming year, uh, thanks, Michael. We can put those numbers down. Hide them away before. Okay. <laughs> As we think about this coming year, we have a lot of exciting things coming up. The church is continuing to grow. We are coming out of a lot of COVID funk, uh, and we are longing to connect with one another again. Creating community is what this is about. And so over this next year, we're going to see more social events, more gatherings, more small groups, more Bible studies where we can connect with each other and get to know each other more and deepen our love for God in community with one another. We're going to also deepen our commitment to mission and making things right. You'll see more opportunities for missions, for service opportunities, including a day of service in May, including building two Habitat for Humanity homes in our church parking lot in, on June 17th. All these ways that we serve our community. This is practice to build in us a character that is ready to serve in any place and any time in our world. I'm looking forward so much to all the things that God has in store for us as a church, all the things that are coming down the pike. It's good to pause and check in on our church, see how we are doing. Uh, next week, we're going to do, in the evening, we're going to have something called a church family check-in. It's going to be uh, led by our church council and our lay leader, John Hand. It's going to be a conversation on more of these topics, but it's going to be more of a question-answer time than sermons typically are. So if you have questions about our church and where we're going next Sunday evening, that's going to be the time where we can hammer some of those things out together. Again, we're a family. We're a church together. There's no, nothing hidden, nothing secret. We want to be transparent in everything we do and involve you in all the decisions and the ways that we are moving forward as a church. Because I'm not building this thing by myself. <laughs> We are building it together. We are building the church together. We do need to check in every now and then. Um, I'm not an architect. I'm not, I'm not a master builder. But if you ask, but I have been a pastor for a while. I've worked in churches for the last 18 years, and the last 10 of those has been as a lead pastor. And so maybe I can say a little something about how well this church is being built and what's going on. And, and in my estimation, if we take a moment and pause and see how strong this church is, how well it's being built, if you ask me, I would say that you could probably park a bus on it. Metaphorically, metaphorically, I don't want to put a bus on it. But it's strong. It's strong. It's a place where children can play. And I'm so thankful that we are building it together. Now, my treehouse that I built in Beaverton, uh, I, I miss it. I miss it so much. I miss that little deck in the rail. The family that bought our house bought 
our house because their daughter fell in love with that tree house, right? And they've got plans. They're going to build a wall. They're, they're going to build walls. They're going to build a roof, right? They might build a second deck on that tree house. I'm excited to hear what they do with it, but I'm also really proud that I was the one that dug those post holes, that I was the one that put three layers of subfloor on it. I was really proud of my part that I get to play, and I'm excited to see the parts that others are going to play in the future. Today, we're going to dedicate this church building because we have paid off all indebtedness on it, and today we are honored uh, with the presence of some of our charter members, some of those that dug the post holes and, and laid the foundation at this church. So I'm going to ask our charter members to come up. Jack Ewan, Susan Mann, Karen Gladhill, Ted Gladhill. Will you guys come up here, please? We... I think we got, we have a picture, we have a picture of uh, the, the sanctuary being built and the cross being raised up there. Jack, is that you in the green shirt right there? Yeah, with your back to it? That's you, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, I can recognize that bald spot. Yeah, good job. <laughs> well, I am so thankful for you and what you have done at this church, and it is such an honor to have you and to see what God has done. And so this morning, we're going to dedicate our church building with a call and response prayer, and then we're going to burn this copy of this mortgage. It's on tissue paper, so it should burn fairly safely. We'll see. It was a little exciting in the first service. but <laughs> Will you stand and join us in this dedication of our building? Words will be on the screen. Dear friends, now that we have completed building and paid all indebtedness on it, let us dedicate this building and rejoice in its holy use. To the glory of God, who has called us by grace, to the honor of Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us, and to the praise of the Holy Spirit, who illuminates and sanctifies us, we dedicate this house. For the worship of God in prayer and praise, for the preaching of the everlasting gospel, and for the celebration of the holy sacraments, for the comfort of all who mourn, for strength to those who are tempted, and for light to those who seek the way, we dedicate this house. In the unity of the faith, in the bond of brotherhood and sisterhood, in love and goodwill to all, we dedicate this house. In gratitude for the labors of all who love and serve this church, in loving remembrance of all those who have finished their course, in the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, we dedicate this house. And now let us all pray together. We now, the people of this congregation, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, grateful for our heritage, aware of the sacrifices of our mothers and fathers in the faith, and confessing that apart from us, their work cannot be made perfect, dedicate ourselves anew to the worship and service of Almighty God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Jack, I'll present to you this copy of the mortgage. If you'll fold it, put it in that glass bowl, and light it on fire. safer than the first service. (laughs) Let me offer one more prayer. Loving God, we give you thanks for what you are building here in this people. We give you thanks not only for the brick and mortar, but for the lives and the community. We are your house built on a strong foundation in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would continue to bless this church and this community, that through us, others will be drawn to your love and your hope. God, continue to bless this church. Through Christ we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. You may take a seat. All right. Thank you for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more about Faith United Methodist Church in Issaquah, Washington, visit our website at www.faithunited.org or call the church office at 425-392-0123. Have a great week.